Thanks everyone for coming along tonight. This is our second panel. This is number two, and um, it's really exciting. I wasn't I wasn't able to be here for the first one, but I'm really excited to be here for the second. I got a front row seat, which I'm really thrilled about. Um, so, as you would have heard Ollie say before, tonight's uh, subject is signs, wonders, and the uh, that's right, the counterfeit. Um, and so, I'm really excited that we get to do this tonight. Um, now, we've got three people on the panel tonight. My name's Josh, uh, so I work, uh, I'm on the team here. I work with the young adults. Um, that's right, which is the best part of the church. Um, and, um, and so I'll be doing the moderating tonight. Uh, just so you know, in terms of the way that we're going to be asking the questions, um, I think the primary way, if you've got a question, uh, if you text it through to Ollie, do people have your number? That's the number. I'm trusting you. Rad. Okay. So if you text questions through to Ollie, um, and then he'll pass them on to me, which is why I've got my phone out, young people. Um, and uh, and then we'll and then I will um, be passing them on to members of our panel. Um, so I'd like to introduce you to some of the stars that we've got on the panel tonight. Um, first up, we have uh, Kelly Kelly Brown. Uh, so Kelly's been part of our congregation for a while now. She's had uh, many years in different ministries, um, and she's had a lot of informal experience with the spiritual. God has led her into a lot of different spaces in her life, um, and so she's had an opportunity to, to see and engage with a lot of different things. Uh, and, uh, and so we're really thrilled that we get to have her along tonight. She's been willing to come up and share from some of her experiences of what God has done. Uh, what has gone done uh, around her and through her. Um, we also have Stuart, and we've got two Stuarts. I'll let you guess which one I'm introducing now. Uh, Stuart, uh, who, um, so he's got a background in science. He's got a PhD in astrophysics. <laughs> we've got Stuart Gill. Um, uh, now, um, he has worked in some uh, pretty spiritually dark places like the World Bank. Um, and his, his organization, uh, Second Muse, uh, is a global business uh, and the organization is engaging with governments around the world, uh, progressing um, uh, economic and social development. Was that a fair? <laughs> and the third person we've got on the panel tonight is Stuart, Stewie Hunt, who's the senior pastor here. And uh, he's got a lot of uh, theological learning, a lot of experience all around the globe, and a lot of us uh, uh, haven't quite run out of all of his stories yet, so we're hoping for a, a couple more rippers. Um, now, the first thing I'm going to do to start us off um, is I'm going to throw across, uh, just for an overview, um, to Stu, if that would be all right. Would you like, why, why is it important, and, and what are we talking about here? Just a, an overview. Yeah. Um. I guess you could say um, signs and wonders, the miraculous, just like the spiritual gifts, there are different positions that Christians hold, and we're all brothers and sisters in Christ, all family of God, um, sometimes using that general umbrella term called evangelicals. And, and amongst evangelicals, we, we, we do have actually different positions. And uh, honestly, um, there, there are thousands of perhaps different positions, but we could categorize them with just four categories. Now, these names are dangerous. I, I hate throwing out names because once you've got a name, you kind of say, ah, 
you're a sensationalist, huh? And, and it's best not to use categories and names to try and file a person in a particular slot. But, but in terms of talking about maybe four different views, it might be helpful for you if I do attach a name to it, but just promise me you're not going to go, you know, kind of slotting people into this category or, or this category. But the first one, the easiest one perhaps, is the sensationalist point of view. That is to say that signs and wonders, um, spiritual gifts like we, we sometimes read in the New T- Testament, you know, just amazing things, miracles, things that we are mysterious and we can't understand, that belongs to a particular age. That belongs to the age of, of the, the initial apostles, the, the apostles there in the New Testament as they died out um, and uh, were no more. This view would say, likewise, the the miraculous and the signs and the wonders, in that sense, they also finished. God just does not work that way anymore. So that's that view. Moving moving along, and that's kind of a you might say, oh well, that's a very that's a very it all stops there. That's a very complete view. There are three other views that then allow for for to varying degrees for the spiritual gifts, the miraculous signs, wonders to operate today. Perhaps just just one notch on from the cessationist view um, is is a view we could say open but cautious. Open but cautious. This view would say that um, just like the apostles stood out in terms of their ability to operate in the miraculous, um, so today um, there are there is the operation of certain spiritual gifts, but not exactly like back in the New Testament times. Um, The apostles back then did things that we should not expect to happen today. However, there are miracles that happen today. There are signs and wonders. So we're open, but we're also a little bit cautious. We shouldn't expect all of the signs and the wonders, all of the miraculous, as we've seen in the New Testament, to be actually operating today. So that's, that's the next view. You know, it's ceased in the apostolic age. It continues today, but not everything. So open, but cautious. And then we move along one more, and that is sometimes described as the third wave view, the third wave view. The third wave view is a little bit different to the last one in that it would say, yep, nope, all of the spiritual gifts, Jesus said you will do all of these things and more, all of the spiritual gifts are operating today, absolutely, signs, wonders, the miraculous, we should should expect it all. But when it comes to the the move of the Spirit of God in an individual's life, we believe there is, there is not multiple moves or a, or a second significant move of God in a person's life, like a, bap, a, a baptism of the Spirit. That, the baptism of the Spirit, the, the, the movement of, of God to um, come and dwell within a person, that happens at conversion and there alone. There is no second baptism, second big significance like that, um, or move of the Spirit of God in a person's life. Um, we can have more encounters of the Holy Spirit. He can, he can fill us up and, hey, if we've kind of been a little bit wayward in our faith or we haven't been very open to God, if we've just ignored God or held him off at a distance, he'll come and fill us up again. And that experience is a significant encounter, but it's not a second baptism. That's just a... That's just an indwelling of the Spirit. Uh, if you wanted, you could call it a second baptism, but then expect that there could be a third or a fourth or a fifth or a sixth. There, there can be many encounters of the Spirit of God in a person's life. And then the last few, 
the fourth view we'd call perhaps the Pentecostal charismatic view. And that view is just, a, just an extension again. It also would say, yep, all the, all the spiritual gifts are for today, signs, wonders, miracles, it's all for today. Uh, but there is a, a doctrine of subsequence. And the doctrine of subsequence says that after you become a Christian, you're converted, you, you hand your life over to God, you can expect a subsequent visitation of the Spirit of God called a second baptism. The third wave view would say, no, there is no doctrine of subsequence. There's no second baptism per se. All the gifts operate today. You can have other encounters of the Spirit of God, but there's no doctrine of subsequence. You should not expect a a subsequent visitation of the Spirit of God, a second baptism, as it were. Pentecostals and charismatics believe that that you do. You can have a, a conversion. You can have an encounter of the Spirit of God, a baptism of the Spirit, where he comes upon you in a powerful way, and that will almost always be evidenced by by speaking in tongues, the gift of speaking another language or speaking in tongues. So the kind of a really, really brief overview, there's four views, the cessationist view, the open but cautious view, the third wave view, and, and then lastly, a little bit more of a Pentecostal charismatic view. If you somebody holds a different view to you than, than the view that you hold, are they a part of the family of God? Absolutely. You can. We're, they're all brothers and sisters in Christ. We can. We can very much um, assume that that ev- everybody who has um, received Jesus Christ as their Savior acknowledge their sin and and understand that He alone can uh, can atone for our sin. Receive them as their their personal Savior. That person is born into the family of God. They are a child of God, and the Spirit of God dwells within them. The question is. What what does that look like, and how, how does that operate? So they're the they're the four different positions, perhaps just by way of overview. Thank you, Stu. That's very helpful. Now, what I thought I'd do after that is probably go back to maybe one of the more uh, foundational questions that you might be asking wherever you at uh, are at, and uh, and that's around. How can we believe in our current day and age, where we know so much about how the world works? Um, uh, how can we believe that things can happen that defy what we would be able to sense or tangibly see uh, scientifically? It, how, how can non-quantifiable things happen like that? And I think I'll throw to Stuart. <laughs> is that all right? Sure. Um, I'm not sure if this is on. Yep, it's on. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I, I um, studied physics. And um, I remember when I was learning physics and when I was understanding my faith, one of the things that I was always incredibly amazed about was the fact that God had created a universe that he did not need to break his own rules to do the miraculous in, right? So that, and, I've, and that was really consistent with my understanding with God, and that was that God is this, this you know, has ultimate integrity. And so when you look at the universe, when you understand quantum mechanics and how the universe is made, there's a probabilistic, we have a probabilistic understanding of how the universe works. So probabilistically, I can, um, if I didn't have an arm, I could spontaneously grow that arm and the laws of physics would still, would still hold. And so I just think that there's a, you know, from a physics standpoint, um, the miraculous is well within physical and are well within our physical understanding. It's just incredibly low probability, but it, it can actually happen. I mean, particles go through 
infinite potential walls and you know there's light that comes out of black holes for example fascinating thank you uh, another fundamental question so a lot of the uh, so a lot of the young adults who were there on Wednesday night we, we, we entered into this topic uh, to some degree uh, one of the questions that I heard fairly on early on in the piece uh, was uh, if we know Jesus and he's looking after us why is it important for us to even think about the spiritual realm because he's got all that covered right um, does anyone want to put their hand up for that one I didn't have anyone particularly in in mind does that does that make sense is that uh, and to expand on that what I would say is I think there's a sense in which uh, you get this idea that whatever you come across um, because you're in Christ you're okay so there's no need to think about or, or pay any attention to the spiritual realm because... Am I making sense? Text more questions. <laughs> uh, does anyone want to engage with that or maybe we don't need... Yeah, Kelly, that'd be great. Um, I think for me, I grew up in quite a conservative small country church where the pastor was sacked because he... Um, was saying he could see particular things in different places in the spiritual realm. So it was never something that I was going after or seeking God for. Um, and now um, God often shows me things in the spiritual realm and I often go, like, why? <laughs> um, often my first response is just fear, um, especially early on when this started to happen. And... I've kind of questioned God about that and had a few different answers. Um, firstly, I feel sometimes he's showing me things so I can do something about it, so I can pray into it and help someone or pray into it and help my family or get rid of whatever it is that might be hanging around that, you know, might have a foothold, Satan's given a foothold to, to be there. Um, so I think there can be practical reasons to to this type of gifting, um, that yes, you know, God has everything in control, um, but there is a reason sometimes for why he shows these things. Thanks, Kelly. That's very helpful. Um, I've got some, more, some great questions here. Uh, the first question I've got here um, is, uh, when is it appropriate to ask God for a sign? And I'm going to give that to who's showing the most fear. <laughs> Stu, would that be all right if I pass that one to you? Um, I, I guess that question, I'm going to go ahead and, and anticipate that that's regarding perhaps guidance. Um, and I, I, when we talk about signs and wonders in the Bible, a sign is usually, if you, well, what's the difference between a sign and a wonder? A sign will usually point towards something. Uh, sometimes in the Bible it would help authenticate that the person that was coming in the name of God was truly actually appointed by God. So it would actually, the sign would point to to validate their ministry and, and we see that particularly of Jesus. A wonder perhaps is, um, in the Greek it's just a wonder is a miracle, it's just a general miracle. It, it has no, you know, perhaps other significance to point towards something. So that's maybe a general sense of a difference between a sign and a wonder. Um, I'm going to assume that the question, when is it okay to ask for a sign, might be to do with seeking guidance about this or that. Um, and, and I 
think you could you could probably probably ask um, a God for a, for a sign at any time, but for me the the most um, most important principle of guidance of understanding God's will is to is to abide is to press into Him. It's it always seems to. I remember as a as a teenager reading you know. 15 steps to understanding the will of God and and so forth and and ah oh, and, and they're often good things you know it's got to be word based and so forth but but perhaps it could be simplified to one step um a walk in relationship with God and 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 sometimes um uh, the timing of his revelation of when he shows you something has to do with other things that are going on it has to do with a, a particular door being ready to be opened. It has to do with a lesson that he wants to teach you. It has to do with something that he wants to show you in your life. It, it has to do with stretching your faith and so forth. And so by all means, I think with open hands, you could say, God, is this, is this a situation where you want to reveal your will to me by, by giving me a sign? Um, or or is, there, is there perhaps a, a step of obedience that I should take or, or something else? So I think if you're open-handed, um, that's 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 kind of okay, but always remember that God will probably never take any shortcuts up beyond saying my primary way of leading and guiding you is in relationship with you. It's with you, uh, um, in that abiding relationship with you that I, re- I most often reveal my will. Yeah, that's great. Um, follow-up one, there's two of them that were kind of overlapped. Uh, first one was... Uh, why is it that there seems to be so much more spiritual activity outside of Western countries? And the second part of that was, why is it that some people don't seem to see spiritual things uh, or spiritual realities and some people seem to see a lot? Is it that they're not looking for it or is it just that some people attract it or, or what's happening there? So personally and then internationally. So that's a global question. <laughs> Um, would anyone want to put their hand up for that? I can Kelly. answer the personal one. Um, for me, learning with my spiritual gifts in prophecy um, is that it's been not for me. It's been to uphold and to um, grow the body of Christ. Um, so, like, when we were going through the spiritual gifts, it was quite interesting that you know, in my Bible study group, some people had this, some people had that, and not everyone had the same gift. Like, we're not all an eye in the body of Christ. Like, there's a lot of different gifts given to different people for different reasons, and we need to use them to edify each other. Um, if we were all eyes, well, who would be hearing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, what about the global question? So you're talking about why is it that that uh, that white white bread... Us, us types don't seem to... Uh, was that racist? <laughs> Sorry, everyone. <laughs> you heard my question before. Does anyone want to have a crack at it? <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I, I think um, there, I, I think our world, you know, our, our core belief system really... It, there's a there's a difference within core belief system, right? I mean, just one observation between, um, say, like, yeah. So we work a lot in Indonesia, right? 
And um, I wanted to, one of the things I was really excited about working in Indonesia was the fact that I was, I really wanted to learn about community in a different way because, you know, in our Western civilization, community has almost been, um, it's been almost bought out of us by the market, right? And we're, we're, we're individuals first and then it's community second. And I was really excited to learn about um, community. And um, in that, and there was this one, there was this one analogy that, that, that came to mind and that was, was, um, there was these pictures of um, a beautiful array of, of kids all smiling and, and, um, and happy and there was one sad little person in the, in, in the middle and they asked um, people, kids in Indonesia, is that, is that sad person in the, in the middle happy or sad? And, and the Indonesians said happy and the, the Western kids said sad, right? And it was really, and that was about, you know, their worldview, their world understanding very much like constrained how they thought about things. And, um, and, and so, I, I mean, I, I just, that was the thing that came to mind. <laughs> um, just in terms of um, when, you, when you don't know the possibilities, when you, when you see in a particular way, but also when you, you know, when you, you know, some things that were miraculous are now just, you know, what is it, who said that everything, you know, um, you know if you don't understand something, it, it looks like a miracle. Right, and, and so I think our Western civilization has got to the point where we think we understand so much that the miraculous is a bit beaten out of us as well, and then we don't look for the we don't look for the the, the wonderful and miraculous anymore either because it's all explainable, right? We can all we all have a theory to understand something. So I think the worldview and and how that creeps into who we are. Is really powerful in how that um, that manifests in our day-to-day -day lives. I mean, our thoughts and and our world and our core beliefs manifest and influence us significantly. I just throw throw this thought in, Josh. It's a great question. Um, if you if you think about the operation of spiritual gifts, like all ministry, that is, the gifts don't come from us. We don't have a basket load of gifts and spiritual goodies to give out to the world. The gifts come from God. And there is sufficient grace for every need in heaven. So, so if you picture the, spiritual, the operation of the spiritual gifts, like all ministry, that it is this, this um, a reservoir of grace, boundless, endless grace that God has, and, and he authorizes it, he administers it through his people to meet a particular need. Now, why... Certain gifts, particularly you know the more miraculous, might be um, a more uh, observable in one culture to a to another culture. It's the question in my mind would be: Does it have to do perhaps with um, with the the person you know God's people that we are not as open to actually operating in the miraculous? Therefore, God doesn't you, you know are we the blockage? Is the blockage here? We're not as open to um, perhaps uh, working in the miraculous, or or so forth, or or is it or is it the recipients? Is it just that that God looks at the recipient audience and and he he kind of sees many many needs, but that's not their greatest greatest need. And it is a is a great question. There's that um, story in the, the scripture about Jesus in his hometown, and and scripture records he couldn't do many miracles there because the faith was not great. And I guess that raises the question again. Um, so the faith amongst the recipients was not great. Therefore, 
Um, did God not reward it? Um, as, a, as a result, you weren't expecting it, so you, you know, I'm not going to, to do it there. Or was it that Jesus was actually actually held back? There was just no, there was just, nope, nothing's coming. There's nothing coming because your your faith is not great. God is God is not giving the gifts. And and I, I tend to think that it that it is a little bit more to do with with expectation. One of the real pictures we have of how this operates is is the loaves and the fishes. Um, there is Jesus, the Son of God, God Himself. He um, he gives thanks. He breaks breaks the bread and he hands the the bread and the fish to the disciples. So just imagine that as a spiritual gift, a grace gift. He hands it to the disciples and then they hand it out to others and and it multiplies and it feeds thousands that day. It is absolutely miraculous. But if they didn't want to receive it, would the miracle have happened? Probably not. And so, so if those are, oh, I'm not touching, I'm not touching that bread, I'm not touching that fish, uh, only salmon for me. If people weren't ready to receive it, or if they didn't have the faith to receive it, I, I imagine the miracle of the multiplication wouldn't have taken place there. So, I, I do wonder culturally whether it happens. You know, it is a little bit, bit recipient directed. That that in certain cultures where it's not not ready to be received, God doesn't doesn't give it. Can I, can I respond to that? Yeah. <clears throat> I remember when you preached on this, and um, the thing when you preached on this, Stuart, I think it was, it was a few months ago now, the thing that stuck in my mind was that it was also the, the element that, um, that there was something to give at the beginning. You know what I mean? It, God took what little they had and then multiplied that, right? So I think there's, there's that element of actually having the faith and trust to like, even with the little bit that you have, to give that up. And, and the honouring and, and the magnification of, of, of that as well. And the obedience, I think, as well to this, like to God's prompting in things. Like um, I was saying to Josh before, oh, I felt I had this word um, from God about something and I was like, oh, I was a bit nervous and embarrassed to kind of share it with you, but I, like I'm going to step out in obedience and do it. And Josh was like, Oh, that really resonates. That that feeling of obedience. I hope you're happy to share this. <laughs> Half of, halfway through the story now, um, <laughs> um, that resonated with with Josh in that. Oh, maybe God has prompted quite a few times, and oh, may, you know, maybe God does speak in that way to different people at different times. But you know, um, if you don't steward it, then it's not. Multiply. Thanks for that. So that 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 migrated that moved a bit from the original question about um, uh, why here and not there. But I think that's all helpful stuff. But just to 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 to, to note that. Um, here's another question. I'll probably give this one to you, Kelly. Um, how do you balance uh, over spiritualizing life and under spiritualizing? In other words, seeing the demon in everything or being ignorant to the to the spiritual realm and only focusing on the visible. Yeah, great question. Um, I guess I I often like come to God first, and I would say, God, is this something you want me to show me specifically with this situation, or for that person, or in our home, or with our children? And sometimes. The answer is no. 
Um, and sometimes the answer is yes, and we go down that journey. Um, often, you know, I'll say to my husband, oh, I think I've got this word for this person. And he'll go, oh, you're sure? <laughs> you, you're like, yeah, you're right. You, you got to be sure before you pass that on. Um, and and well, I guess we're learning together to grow in um, the balance of me saying, I, I think I see this, I think I see that, and him going, oh, I'm not sure. So we kind of discuss it together a lot. I don't know if this is really answering the question. Um, discuss it together and often take things to God. Like, um, yeah, I think every single thing that I see or I feel or I sense or I get, I've got to sit before the Lord and say, God, is this from you? Um, and what do you want me to do with it too? Because it's not always run to that person and say, I think, you know, there's a, a spirit of contention going on in your life. God told me that. Like that's, it's not always appropriate to do that. And I'm learning how to, how, what to do with the things that God does give me. Um, and sometimes it might just be for me to pray and leave it at that. Um, yeah. Now, coming through, coming coming out of that, I'm I'm looking at this. There's lots of uh, there's lots of questions that have come through specifically around uh, discerning spirits, testing spirits, um, and things like that. Um, what I thought we might do to start was maybe um, talk about some experiences that we'd had. Um, if you've had a, an experience of coming up against something and having to, to work that through and how you've done that. Um, Stuart in particular, one, one person's asked about what is there a church, in terms of the church, have the church experienced uh, a wonder or a miracle, sign or wonder, what signs and wonders has the church experienced and was there a process for verification and is there one? Um, and then maybe, um, Stuart, could you think of a situation or, or something to input into that space? Would that be all right? Rather than just giving a list of steps, um, uh, whoever gets in first, ready, set, go. <laughs> um, yes, if I, if I think about um, um, perhaps a fascinating question would be, have we seen counterfeits here at Vine Baptist Church? And I'd say yes. Um, have we seen healings that haven't really been healings? Well, I think so. How do you know? It's hard. Sometimes it's hard. Because God, God doesn't always do the same thing the same, the same way. So he might, he might perform a healing in this particular way on this occasion, and he doesn't do it the same way on another occasion. So that could lead us prematurely to think, aha, that's not a healing. But that might not be the case. It just might be God doing it in a different way or God doing it you know, with a different timing. So I think we've got to be careful sort of jumping on the, you know, how quick we are to judge that it's a counterfeit or not. And it can take, it can take some discerning. And I, and I guess if, if New Testament often um, encourages us to, to discern whether something might be true or false with, with witnesses. And so, so that's an encouragement for body life and community again to, to actually all be a part of the discernment process together. Um, I think sometimes we have too quickly assumed that a healing might take place because of a touch of God's grace in some, some initial or immediate relief. What I think can sometimes happen there is that God does want to perform a healing in a person's life, and he's actually going to use a process that we might call more natural. 
He's actually, actually going to use medical professionals and, and so forth. But just by way of blessing, just by way of answering the prayer, he can actually sometimes give somebody initially some relief from that particular pain or situation, which can be sometimes confused as a healing. And so I think sometimes time will tell, um, but I do think it needs some discernment. I am probably a little bit wary when somebody claims a healing or is told that you have to claim this healing for it to be a healing. And and so they do. And then a few weeks later, I, I hear actually that it's just as bad, if not worse. Now, I've got to wonder at that point, actually, I'm not, I'm not sure. I think he may have been misled. I'm not sure that that actually was a healing. We, we attended a church in, in Brisbane called River Life, and they, they have this thing called Story Box, and it's literally like half a shipping container built out of wood, and you can, you can open the door, and certain times it's open, you hop in, it's just you, there's a seat and a video camera, and you can tell your story. And particularly if it's a story of a miracle that's taken place in your life, you just speak into the camera and you tell your story. But you also sign a form to say um, that here, here are the people who can verify this story, the people who can verify that this is a miracle and a healing has taken place, and I authorize um, the, the church to actually check this story out. Why? That, that, that might sound a bit strange for some of us, but why? Because it's God's glory that's on the line here. It's not about you. It's about God. And if you're going to claim a healing or a miracle in his name and you're going, you know, it's about his glory at the end of the day and, and sometimes church leadership and so forth, they've just got to validate that this is, this is not going to result in, in muddying God's name or bringing disunity to the church and those sorts of things. And so, so that, that does have to be verified there. I've got a feeling I might be on a different track now, though, but it was fun getting there. Um, what was the question? We're talking about has the church experienced that uh, and what's the process of verification? Oh, that's right. What's the process? If somebody has a word during a larger, you know, a larger gathering, somebody has a word, a prophecy, a scripture or something like that, our general rule of thumb, and maybe some of you don't know this, is find, a, find any member of the pastoral team and... and quite often the easiest ones to get are the ones at the back. Find a member of the pastoral team and say, ah, you know, you may have written it down. I I feel this may be a word, you know, a word from God for the church or something. Pass it on. They'll they'll have a look at it and and then they'll pass it to the, you know, the person at the front. And and at the end of the day, it's, it's, you know, either the, you know, myself, preaching whoever's preaching the worship service coordinator it's it's probably their well it is it's it's their call as to whether they discern that 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 is a word from from god for this particular moment and and so there's two elements is the word from god and then the other element is is it is it for now and sometimes we've got a lot going on in our heads honestly we you've got to you know this is where we ask that you'd be gracious with us it's possible we might get it wrong it's possible it is a word from God and it is for now and we miss it. We've just got really busy minds. We're thinking about what, you know, that other thing that had to happen in the second song and so forth. But God is gracious and, and I trust that and pray that you'll be gracious with us as well. We try to get it right. We try to be prayerful. We try to process all that's going on in a service in that moment, but we can't always do it flawlessly. And so we, we do practice grace as a church and just ask that you'll be gracious with us as well. But you can be assured if you've passed it on, you've done your job. And then, and then we as a leadership take, you know, we really take it seriously. It's a, it's a real responsibility for us to try and discern in that moment, well, is this something that should come to the, come to the church or not? And, and hopefully we get it more right than we get it wrong. But again, we just ask that you, you practice grace. Yeah. Now, I might 
quickly, did you have something ready for the second part there, or are you? I can I can share something, but I'm happy to not share it as well. <laughs> You'll have to discern if you want me to share it. Or not. <laughs> and I do. Okay. Well, I was just gonna um, just just share an example of um, in just I mean it happened two life groups ago, so that's a month ago, and um, and so I'd been like over the last two years. I've been very much going through a process of of, um, of really looking at my life from every single aspect and giving over all aspects of my mind, my thought life, giving all aspects of my emotions to God, right? It's been an incredibly painful, incredibly difficult, amazing time and process. And I lost 15 kilograms in the process as I gave over my emotional eating to God, for example. And... Um, and, and, you know, I wasn't, you know, I was, I'd also had, I've had like five years of significant pain, you know, of like nerve pain, pretty much in every nerve in my body, like through slip discs all throughout my, um, all throughout my spine. And, um, and, and, you know, and I was learning about spiritual warfare just, just that week, and I was just like, okay, you know, spiritual warfare is like, you know, my, you know, I've had the battle over my mind, I've had the battle over my, my emotions, you know, and the Lord was just like, in that in the, in the life group, your body's under attack. And I was like, no, 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 my body's not under attack. And then as we were praying, um, Dan said, your body's under attack, right? And for that, it was just this, it was a confirmation of the community, right? It was the fact that other people also discerned and understood that. And they got around me and they prayed. And in that moment, my, my, my body wasn't healed, right? But what was healed was my, how I understood what I was going through, you know? And it was... And like I had come to think that I had this broken body, and I was just had to live with a just a, had to live with a broken body, and that belief, that core belief, was I just operated with that core belief, and it affected me in in significant ways, right? And how I operated in my life, it stopped me doing things, and um, and uh, and during when they were praying for me, the Lord just said, "The body that I've given you, I created." And it is, and it's a beautiful body that I created for you, and um, and so, and you know the burden of carrying this is just is just transformed, just transformed, mm. and you know, and we were going through the and, and the the and the Lord said to me, the promise I've given you is to find peace in all these moments, right? Is to be able to find peace and be able to carry this. The promise I. I haven't given you the promise that I'm going to heal you. The promise is that I'm going to give you the peace and the, and be content in all these situations. Mm. And um, and that's that's what he did in that moment. Um, completely transformed my mind. And to be honest, you know, my struggle is is a different struggle. So that was what I was going to share. I'm really glad I went with that. That's fantastic. That is so encouraging. I think we've uh, I've seen something deeper about God's character in that. That's really encouraged me. Thank you. Um, 
practically speaking, there's another side to this uh, discernment. Say so, and this is this is this is a lot more. Uh, maybe just a simple one. Uh, maybe just a couple of practical things on this. But say someone comes up to you and says, uh, and you haven't, you're, you don't consider yourself a spiritual person. You haven't been. You're not someone who hears from God a lot. Maybe you haven't prayed a lot. Someone comes up and says, God told me this about you, or this that you need to do, or that we need to go on a date, or something like that. Um, <laughs> It worked for me. No, I didn't. <laughs> um, uh, what, what, what's your process there? If you want to be obedient to God, but you aren't familiar, this is a, pra- a practical, what would you do in that kind of situation? Kelly, what would you advise someone? Well, pray. Um, yeah, I mean, my, my practical process, I feel God doesn't really stick to those moulds and rules and ideas that you know you think oh you should, god should do it this way because he's done it this way before um i mean i yeah definitely pray and and seek the lord in that moment um i guess an example of practical process that has been different for me is um we had a situation in our house about 10 years ago where in the middle of the night we would have these doors that were locked just swing open and i'd be petrified and I'd get to him and I'd be like come with me we're going to close the door and I'm going to pray but come with me um and we'd go down there and in Jesus name you know whatever is causing this leave now and two you know two hours later the same thing happens this one went on for months and I was like well the process is the name of Jesus these things have to flee why is this not happening um so we got the prayer team from our church at the time to come to our house and we prayed through the house. Um, they had a specific prayer that they, house cleansing prayer that we walked through and I'd never done anything like this before. Um, and when we got to one of the last bedrooms, um, we were like, God, what is it? It's quite heavy and intense feeling in that room. And um, it was... We started praying and we all had the same sense and Tim was like, yeah, it's to do with the past sin that he had that had been like he had practically dealt with it and it wasn't happening anymore but the spiritual side of it was still lingering around. And so it was only when we went through that process of, um, God, what is it that's here? Um, Why has Satan got a foothold in this area? Um, We identified it. Then we prayed it um, away, asked God to then fill the space with his spirit and fill our home and claim that home as his, that it then left. But and I don't know the answer as to why. Sometimes it works like that and you've got to go through that process of like almost prayer ministry type process. And then other times you can say the name of Jesus and things go. So that's probably created more questions than answers. <laughs> That's great, my poor phone. <laughs> no, no. Um, thank you for that. So top two points that you'd give to someone who said, someone's come up and told me that oh, yeah. I have to go on a date from because yep. God's told me. You tell them to, number one, pray. pray. Yep. Number two? I reckon seek confirmation in another believer who you trust. Mm. Um and chat about it with them mm. um, because often like 
prophetic words or pictures that is for a specific situation or a purpose, it's often confirmed in multiple people and often without talking about it, multiple people will come with the same thought yeah. from God. Yeah. Oh, I think that's very, that's very helpful. Stu, have you had an experience yeah, with this? Thessalonians tells us to, um, um, to not try and shut down the, prophecy, uh, the, the prophetic but to, but to test everything. And I'd say there's a couple of really easy tests. All of us uh, sitting up here are married, so if somebody asks us on a date, one of the first tests is, well, how does that match up with God's word? Not less, at least the, Mysterious the that my ways, wife huh? will actually take you, take you out on a dark night um, <laughs> with the Isuzu. But... Um, um, the, so the first test is, does it line up with Scripture? If it doesn't line up with Scripture, then uh, it really doesn't matter what you think God has said to you. I'm sorry. It, it contradicts Scripture. Um, and then I think the second one is, um, okay, let's say you're not married. Let's say you're, you're single and, and God has told, you know, told me to marry you or for us to go out on a date. And, hey, that's cool. When he tells me, I'll let you know. And so, so there's the confirmation of community. And, and that is where, you know, just because God has said something to, to person A, it doesn't mean it's true for person B. That needs to be tested by, by you as well. So, so I, I think that's where we come back to community and we come back to does it line up with Scripture? Is there, is there confirmation? And those sorts of things can, can validate whether or not that might be a word from God. That's great. We've got a lot of really good questions. I'm just trying to pick through... Some last ones being very... Uh... While well, 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 you're doing that, Josh, can you, you pick through. I was just going to say the one on culture as well. I was just thinking we've got quite a number of people um, who have... Um, you, missionaries who have worked cross-culturally in our congregation. Uh, I can't see everyone here, but I can see Kelvin there. You and welcome back. Great to, great to see you. Um, we've got Jim here as well. Um, I'm, I'm sure they have wrestled with this stuff as well, and if... If we didn't quite answer that question about miracles and things in a particular culture and Western culture, grab one of these guys as well because I know you'll you'll be intrigued by by chatting with them and it could be others as well, but but that's just a thought. Yeah, that's good. Look, I think we'll go. There there are two here that I'm tossing up between because uh, they're both really good and they're really pertinent. I think I'm going to go with the second one. Just I think. Uh, due to its more possibly more immediate uh, importance, if you've got something like a, a gift of prophecy or something along those lines, how do you approach uh, the things that God may show you that are sometimes very difficult for you or for the person who's receiving it? Uh, and Kelly, would it be all right if I gave this one to you again? Yeah, yeah, I've been through that quite significantly over the last little while, um, and I think it takes bit of faith to be honest um and obedience and um I guess I would pray for protection over myself in a particular time sit with the Lord open the Bible see where the spirit led just confirm in my heart that I felt that that was what God was showing um and I have Look, most of my words and things that God has given me for different people are, like, my interpretation of it is, oh, that's awful. I'm not sharing that. Like, I, I had one for a friend once and it was, I, I had a picture of him in jail and I was like, oh, dear, I'm not passing that on. Um, anyway, I wrote it down as I felt the Lord leading and very hesitantly said, look, this is what I felt God say. Here it is. Pray over it. Test it. See what you think. 
Anyway, he read it and he was like, oh, that's great. I was in jail yesterday preaching to these people about da-da-da-da. And I was like, oh, (laughs) thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I think I'm learning that the interpretation of these things is not my job at all. Um, So I'll often get something and go, oh, Lord, please let this be right. Um, but I don't need to take carry the burden of interpreting it or in some ways I'm not responsible for the reaction of the people that I pass it on to as long as it's done in love, respectfully, you know. I was going to say, Kelly, it sounds like it, from, from the way you just said that, that it's – um, your approach is a very – it's a humble approach. It, it comes with great humility. So a demonstration of the fruit of the Spirit. So you're operating in the gift of the Spirit, but but it's with the fruit of the Spirit. And and you're, you're offering it humbly, and then scripturally you're saying, you need to test this, yeah. ask God, is it for you? And, and and so it's really an offering, for again, for them to receive or not. Yeah, um, absolutely. Not yeah. an imposition. Yeah, and if, if it is from the Lord and they don't receive it, that's – like that doesn't – I don't need to carry that burden. Um, all God's asking is to hear it and pass it on. So, yeah. So I think the, the – the, I've got two more things to finish on, and these are mine. Um, the first one would be uh, what would you say to someone who's listening to this um, and who hears things that they haven't encountered before or they've got questions that are really kind of burning – um, are there helpful and unhelpful ways of engaging with this topic? Uh, Stu? Um, yeah, um, I, I guess there's always unhelpful ways, isn't there? A couple of, let me focus on the helpful ways. I think a, a scripture is a wonderful guide. It, 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 um, um, this was obviously an issue in the Corinthian church, and so we're so thankful for First, First Corinthians chapters. Uh, really, really through ten fourteen in various levels, but particularly chapter fourteen gives very specific instruction on on how the the gift of speaking in tongues and prophecy comes up. I noticed that no questions about um, the issue of speaking in tongues. Um, we actually did print uh, a number of years ago. We we spoke on this at church. We printed out some notes. We just forgot to bring them this week. But if you'd like a copy of those notes, um, we'll have them for you um, next week up the back, and you can just say, "Hey, can I have that copy of the notes on speaking in tongues?" That might answer some questions. But but Scripture has a uh, tells us a tells us a lot. Every now and again, I've had people say to me, oh, "I feel really uncomfortable uncomfortable about speaking in tongues and or or prophecy and so forth." You know. I don't think we should do it as a church, and and um, and my my answer is is quite simply actually Scripture forbids me to forbid it. So if you want a biblically obedient pastor, you've got to you've got to allow for 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 us to allow these gifts to operate in the church. Indeed, in- encourage them because Scripture says to to do that. Is there an order? Is there a way in which these things? Absolutely, absolutely. And we, we, as best as we can, we try to follow that. But, but yeah, if you're seeking more advice, I'd, I'd say, um, let's say you think you might have a gift, but you're just not sure. Why don't you, why don't you find somebody in the church body who you think does have that gift, or, or ask somebody from the pastoral team, hey, do you know anyone with a particular gift of such and such, and maybe we can match you up, and a little bit of a discipleship, mentoring relationship could. Could take place, but but also just delve into scripture. There's a lot of great answers right there. Fifteen second question. 
Or, no, answer. Um, uh, in our modern world, in the Western world, where we don't tend to be looking for stuff, as you said, we've got a great understanding of all these different things. Is there really still a space for us, for the miraculous in our world today? Um, yes. Thank you. <laughs> Done. No, no, I, I think the miraculous lies in, I mean, when you look at our God, our God is a relational God, right? And I think there's no more miraculous things than in, in our relational encounters, right? And I think, you know, when you look at, when you look at the, what we've talked about tonight in terms of prophecy, a lot of that is being, you know, in the conversation has been around what God's had for us to tell others. And I think, you know, the miraculous to me is really, you know, in this context specifically, like, why wait for God to tell us something? Why don't we start to share things before God tells us, right? And, I, and, and by that I mean, you know, one of the most powerful things for me was being in a group of committed Christians and committed people who love me dearly and that I feel safe to be able to tell my story. And in telling my story, people saw their own story and and the and it was a natural place for prophecy to happen. You know, it was, it was a place that things can be tested. It was a safe place. And we could see the, see the splinters in our eyes and the logs in our eyes and the, the false stories that we have and, and the truths that we, we think we believe that we actually don't believe, right? And I, and I, and I just think that, that the miraculous is, you know, miraculous things happen, yeah. I can spontaneously grow another arm, without a doubt. Like that, physically, that can happen. But if you ask me, I, you know, if you ask me, if I'd rather have, if I'd rather be in still physical pain, or or have the relational um, reality and truth that I have now, uh, without a doubt, that the relational truth and relational honesty that I have now is, is that that to me is, that to me is true real life. Great answer. And that feeds beautifully into my last question that I'm going to give to Kelly. Uh, you've shared some stories where things just weren't as expected, um, uh, difficult situations that maybe you still don't have a clear answer for. And certainly I can think of situations where God has been present. Maybe there's been a spiritual element, but um, God has done something, but we just don't understand. Um, you know, you're talking about spiritual forces and, and dark things in the world that are having a real a palpable effect. Um, how can we not go out of here with a sense of uh, fear about this massive unknown reality, in a sense? Mm. Yeah, so when I first, when God first started showing me these things and talking to me in this particular way, I would always be so fearful. And from the prayer ministry course that I did, that, you know, it talked about, um, like, binding and silencing particular demons and asking God what that demon was and all that kind of stuff. And so I'd go in there going, okay, this is what I've learned, this is what I'm going to do. And after a while I was like, I don't need to go into the darkness and start telling the darkness to leave. I just turn on the light and the darkness goes. Um, so I've completely forgotten what your question is, but that's... What do you, so turn on the light, what does that mean? Like I, I think... Like the spirit lives in our praises and, you know, you just go in there. Sometimes if there's a particular dark space or something that you just 
praise God and sing his praises and the darkness can't stay where God is, so it goes. Make sense? Mm, mm, yeah. Yeah. Instead yeah. of being fearful about it and, yeah, walking in fear, just abide. Mm. Yeah, turn on the light. I've seen that word somewhere before. <laughs> um, thank you for that. And thank you all for your contributions. I'm sure there are more questions. In fact, I know there are more questions, but uh, we're out of time for tonight. It's part two tomorrow, here, same time. No, that's not true. Wouldn't that be fun? Um, if you've got more questions and you've got, you know, a trustworthy person or else ask a member of the pastoral team, someone you trust, uh, Google's not the best place to go for this kind of stuff. There's plenty of deception and as Stu preached, not today, but last week, uh, in the words of Jesus, we must be vigilant, we must watch. Uh, there are those out to deceive us. Um, and so it's so good that we can have this time to pursue these questions. Um, so I'm going to pray uh, and then I'm going to I'm going to play the ukulele. The band's going to do a song. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Father, that you are sovereign over all these things, Lord. No matter what we understand, what we don't understand, we know to seek your face. We know that you are sovereign. We know that you will always have the last word and you will always be with us. Father, we want to rest in your strength and in your grace towards us. I pray that any words uh, that have been spoken by me, by others, in the hearts of anyone here, Lord, that you would protect us and that you would work against them. I pray that you would build us up in what we've learnt, that you would embolden us by your power, that we would rely on you as we step out of here, Lord. I pray that all of us uh, would continue to be awoken to the spiritual reality around us, that we would walk in your light, that we would be always with your praises on our tongue, that wherever you call us into whatever spaces, Lord, we would go with courage, with knowledge of your word and your salvation, Lord. I thank you for all these things, Lord, and I pray that you would also guard any further searching, um, any more questions, any dark experiences, Lord, that you would meet us where we're at, that you would build up this church in power and giftings, Lord. Um, we are so grateful for you. Amen. <laughs>